Hi, my name is Olivia Young, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanheim. Hi, I'm Paul Hogan. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And, and you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Oh, yes! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back in to Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, the Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, Pedalite Podcast, Papers Podcast, Margaret Cast, Canoeble Cast, the Bobby Clark Cast, the Ron Hextall Cast. I don't know. Maybe we should get rid of that one. The only Flyers Podcast. Russ Joy, at Joy on Broad, on Twitter and Instagram. Anthony Sanfilippo, at Ant San Philly, on Twitter and Instagram. Crossingbroad.com, Flyers writer extraordinaire. And of course, you can find this show at Snow the Goalie on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. Now that I got the pleasantries out of the way, we have a lot to get into on this episode. The curious case of Felix Sandstrom. We've got NHL playoff updates and we have a glorified fanboy account going after the credibility of Anthony Sanfilippo. We'll get to all of that and more in this episode. Anthony, how are you doing? Wow, Vegas just scored again with 17 seconds left. That's where we're at right now, ladies and gents. It's almost 11 o'clock Eastern. Anthony just got back from his son's softball game, and you know who's dedicated and sat here waiting with bated breath like a puppy dog, waiting for their uh, owner to get home, me. Anthony, how are you? I'm pretty miserable, Russ. Good. I'm pretty frustrated. Good. I'm pretty annoyed. Good. You know who I'm annoyed with? Me. No. No. I'm annoyed with certain... I'm not going to say all fans because I'm not annoyed with all fans. A lot of the fans, a lot of Flyers fans are great fans. And a lot of the listeners of the show, you know, we love them. But there are some fans on Facebook who are just driving me insane. And I don't know why. Mm. Maybe I should maybe I should do like, you know, the young professional athletes who will get tired of, of reading about themselves. Uh, and, and, and I should get myself off of social media, right? Here's a quick little story I want to tell. So after our last episode, Philly Voice wrote a story about the Flyers and Nolan Patrick. And in the story, which was written by Matt Millen, I was quoted from the podcast about the things that I said about him getting his third agent and wanting to leave the team, not getting along with the coach. Matt Millen's story also quoted Frank Saravalli from a story that he wrote before he left TSN and also had quotes from Nolan Patrick's new agent. So somebody puts this into, you know, the big Philadelphia Flyers fan group on Facebook that has, what, 20,000 people in it. Is that the right one? Which, which one? Sure. Like, yeah, you know which one I'm talking about. It's got the big, the big one. It's got all the fans in it. The official Flyers uh, yeah. fan page, fan, official one, yeah. Philadelphia Flyers, whatever it is, right? I thought it had more than twenty thousand, but okay. Whatever yeah. it's got, it's the it's the big one. It's the huge one. It has very many many fans. Yes, tens of thousands. Go ahead. So they put it in there. They they put the story in there, and it would be one thing if it was just one guy, one random, you know, fan criticizing, but there were multiple people in there suggesting. That I only put this out there because I want clicks or listens on the podcast and that it's a bad rumor and that I make stuff up 
and that no flyers reporters should be trusted. And I said, I said, they're saying, God damn. Because I didn't even, I didn't promote this. I didn't write this. I didn't ask Philly Voice to write this. I didn't tweet it out and say, hey, fans, guess what I just said? Check out the podcast. I'm not looking, I'm not clickbaiting anybody. So I got into it on Facebook with a few fans. One of which was a uh, uh, content coordinator for EA Sports video games based in Spain. He was the one that I really got into it with. Should have sent him my way. Well, so I I ended the the argument by saying, he said, oh, next time, he, you know, he tried to say, next time Nolan Patrick calls you to update you on his condition, let me know. And I, and I said, and I said, you obviously don't understand how, you know, journalism works. Um, you know, you don't have to get it directly from the player specifically, blah, blah, blah. And I said, hey, uh, next time Nolan Patrick has a good rating on NHL 22 or 23 or 24, uh, you let me know. But I guess I'll never hear from you. And that's where I left it. Wow. But it was like ridiculous, man. Like these people, I don't get it. I don't understand. It's not like I said, it's not everybody. And it's not even that to me. I don't even think it's a majority of the fan base. Right. But there are a, a good number uh, uh, of fans who don't want to believe anything negative that is, has been said or written or talked about, about Nolan Patrick by me, by other reporters, by you, by anyone else. They just, it's like, what world are you, what hockey world are you living in? What are you watching? What are you seeing when you watch hockey that makes you go, oh, we can't get rid of him? And that's, that's what I really want. I honestly want somebody to explain to me, other than the fact that he's still just 22 and can figure it out, which, yes, I, I've said it myself a million times. This might be a situation where he figures it out later in his career, but it's probably going to have to be somewhere else because you can't sit and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And, and, you know, you can't expect that to happen here at this point. And that's very possible. But aside from that argument, which I've made myself against myself, what else is there? What else is there that you could possibly see in the way that this guy plays to say, oh, man, no, this can't be true. And what have you heard from the coach publicly to make you think that he likes the player? Or what have you heard from the player publicly that he likes playing for this coach? And why would multiple places report that he doesn't want to be here anymore and would like to play somewhere else? Why would we be all making that up separately? Because it's not like we convened together and said, hey, let's all cross-promote each other. Let's all say, hey, I had it, you had it, he had it. And we'll say you can check out all these stories together in three different places. You know, it's not like we're, it's not like there was some co-conspiracy there. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Nolan Patrick Gate. It's 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 fascinating to me. It's, Listen, I've I don't call, I don't call you I don't call you Aunt Sanfoni for nothing. So I'm glad that you're. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you're living up to it. I think. Well, listen. There, there's a reason that this kind of thing happens, right? Because it's easy to be, um, over the top positive, like. How do I put this in a nice way? I'm like, I'm kind of sick of being 
um, super tame about this because like at some point we have to kind of separate the um, the people who who are doing a service by the fan base and then the people who are doing a disservice. And that doesn't mean that it's all positivity or it's all negativity. Uh, it doesn't mean that there is like some kind of condescension that's going to be coming from me about this, because for a long time, I railed against, you know, the the concept of traditional beat writing. Right. But. There are people who write for non-traditional outlets who are good people who go down and cover this team. Right. A few that pop to my head. We like Anthony Mangione. We like Russ Cohen. Charlie O'Connor writes for The Athletic, which is like technically not a traditional media, like legacy media outlet. We like Charlie. Like Jordan Hall writes for NBC Sports Philadelphia's website, like Jordan. These are all non-traditional outlets. So it's not like a, a legacy media thing itself. Bill Meltzer, of course, you know, the Ray Didinger of hockey, right? Ray Didinger goes to sleep wearing Bill Meltzer PJs at night. We know this. But like those people, if they go out and they report something, or they put something out there. It doesn't have to be all positive. It doesn't have to be all negative. We can ex- we can accept the fact that like they're good at their job and they and they do what they're supposed to do. Now, we, do we have people who write for legacy media outlets who are just out there for no other purpose than to try to I don't know piss everybody off? Like, yes, one of them got really upset because I said he lied when I was on. You know, we we did an episode. I think it was me and Colby Cohen. And I said that I felt like Mike Sealski lied about something. And then I had to have like a long phone conversation with Mike Sealski where he was upset about it. And I said, fine, but you were disingenuous. And we went back and forth and we never agreed. And it was fine. Marcus Hayes writes things as a columnist that I find absolutely irritating. And I can't believe the fact that like 97, five, the Fanatics is going to have him on to do, you know, stints. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me, whatever you can do what you feel, but there are, people who don't really cover the team who put things out there that are just based on hunches or are based on feeling or are just based on their fandom. And there's nothing wrong with being a fan of a team. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with if you cover a team inherently being a fan of that team. We talked about this before many times over. It is a more enjoyable experience to go down and cover a sports team when that team is winning, right? There is always going to be a part of me, a part of you, a part of a number of the people that I mentioned before who grew up as Flyers fans. We're inherently going to want to see the Flyers do well. But there is a there's a level of, of objectivity that you have to have when you cover a team. And when you don't have that objectivity and you still try to put up the facade that you have that objectivity, there is an issue. And what has permeated a lot of those Facebook groups is like a number of sites that are effectively glorified fanboys that are masquerading, putting up the facade that they covered the team. And it becomes inherently problematic because at some point you just you continue to blur the lines between like what is credible and what is fanboy nonsense. And when it comes to Nolan Patrick, like you're seeing so much of the latter because there isn't a whole lot to report on, on the guy on the credible factual side, because one, his camp is relatively buttoned up for the most part. The organization has effectively tried to limit 
his exposure to the media for the last few years under the guise of, you know, there being the migraine disorder. And then after the fact, you know, especially in this past year, they didn't really want him to talk to the media all that much. And he doesn't really like to talk to the media all that much. So you don't hear much from him. And we talked about how at the beginning of the year, you know, he didn't want to talk about his medical condition. He didn't want to talk about his migraine disorder. We gave him, you know, that that courtesy. We gave him that decency as a human being like, fine, he'll talk about it when he wants to. But if he struggles, you know, at some point you're going to have to answer questions. Well, that never really came fine. But we have this other like group of people who go out and like put together sites or blogs or whatever. And we both write for a blog. And I'm not saying that all blogs are bad, but like we have these people who just go out and because they like the guy or they like his play or they think it's like easy to kind of like prey upon the positivity that people have as fans. It's just like disingenuous and it's gross. And so like that's why it happens. And so that's why when you go on Facebook and you see that, like, you're getting, you know, pretty much accused of being a fraud, a phony, I would have I would advise you to probably avoid Reddit if you don't like what was said on uh, Facebook. Like. The reason people do it is because if it's negative about their team, they just have an issue with it. Like there are some people who are just like that, that that just simply will not accept that, like, all is not well. It's annoying. But what I don't understand, Russ, is, <clears throat> and I get what you're about, what you're saying. Why can't you just be? Why can't you accept, even if you're not this way, even if you are a rabid, diehard, always see things through the orange tinted glasses type of fan? Why can't you at least accept objectivity? Because it's not like we sit here and spew venom around every corner about every aspect of this hockey team. When something's going well, we will say it's going well, right? Yep. We, we root for it to go well because it's better for us. It's better for us when the team is good. We get more listeners when the team is good. Well, we I get don't more... know. We also get, we get a lot of listeners when the team is bad too. We do. But, but, yes, but there's no doubt if you look at our numbers, we did the best during the playoffs last year. Probably. It has to be one or the other. In between is where the apathy sets in. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we when, don't want apathy. When this, team, when this team was absolute garbage, we did well. When yeah. the team did well, we did well. When the team is just kind of hovering around 500, people are kind of like, ah. So, but go on. No, but my point is, is that so it's not like we're sitting here saying that, you know, we want to just be negative Nancys all the time. We really want things to be on the on the up and up and and better for this for the franchise it would be good for us but at the same time you know we understand the value of being fair and honest and transparent and say listen things are not good in this facet of the organization and we're going to you know give the give the team an opportunity to say something about it and if they do great and if they don't then we have to talk to people quietly because they don't want to say anything publicly. And then we're, we're told in those instances, 95% of the time, hey, I'm going to tell you this, but you can't report it. You can't even use it on background. But if you want to try and speculate and circum circumvent around it, go ahead. And so then that's when we have to try and get creative and say things in a certain way so that we don't 
indicate where we are, where we're getting in our information from, but know that it's it's an informed, you know, uh, I don't want to say take because it's not a take. It's an informed um, comment commentary that's being put out. Like we can't sit here and tell people which player or players could theoretically have their contract voided for conduct detrimental to the team, but we could certainly lead people down that path. Right. Right. And it's not because we're just like throwing things out there. Like legitimately we know of some things that have gone on and we're not going to report them because it just doesn't behoove anybody to report them. But we can certainly lead people down the path and people are smart enough to connect some dots. Right. And that's the thing. And that was one. It was funny that you say use that term, connect the dots, because one of the several uh, fans who were accusing me of, of making things up, saying that I'm that's exactly what I'm doing, that I just take what's out there and I connect some dots and then put that out as an opinion. And, and, I, and I, you know, again, I'm not here to compare myself to anyone else who does this job for another entity. But nowhere in my history has there ever been a case where I have put something out there that was purely speculation without saying that it was speculation. What I would about never that tra- hit piece that you did on Carson Wentz a couple I of years ne- ago where you, uh, <laughs> where you said that everybody hates it. Oh, that wasn't you. That was no. Sam. Oh, oh yeah. that's not San Filippo. Oh, got it. Yeah. Don't, don't start with that comparison um <laughs> i get that all the time well, um, close enough i'll tell you my, the, here's a here's a funny story not to not to go off on too much of a team well then don't but, go off no no no. but you'll like this this is it kind of relates to what you just said so uh there was a time once where uh michael layton was the, the goalie for the flyers and he didn't like something that frank saravalli had written in the daily news and i got a phone call at seven o'clock in the morning from Paul Holmgren flipping out at me about Frank's story and as if it was mine. And I was like, uh, Paul, um, can I stop you for a second? He was like, yeah. I said, I, I think you got the wrong person. I, I, I didn't write this. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, I'm sure. He's like, Michael Layton said it was an Italian guy whose last name began with an S. I said, yeah, there's two of us. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Oh, sorry, Anthony. Let me call Frank." <laughs> oh, boy. But so there you go. So there's there's a quick little sidebar. But no, I mean, so the, 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 the just getting back to it, and and I made another another one of the other arguments I made is that you know, the guy says, "Well, you'll you'll never you'll never take uh, responsibility if you report something wrong." To which I say, "No, I've always done this," and I gave two examples, I'm, and I'm going back in time here, but. When the Flyers traded Jeff Carter to Columbus two weeks prior to the trade, I reported exactly what the trade was going to be. I mean, step for step, I knew it was Voracek and Columbus's first round pick, and I reported it two weeks before it happened. Okay, I had it from multiple sources that, and again, I didn't say who they were, I didn't indicate where they were from, but I had it stone cold, locked it up, boom. Okay. Then at the, um, Free agency that same year at the free agent deadline, July 1, or not deadline, at the opening of free agency, July 1, I was told by an agent, and I won't say which one, but I was told by an agent that the Flyers were signing, re-signing 
Michael Hanzus, who had was had left the team a few years earlier, but that they were interested in bringing him back and that they had a contract in place. The agent told me this. I reported it. It was 100% wrong. The Flyers hadn't even talked to him. Okay? But that's where I first learned that, you know, NTA. especially in the, world, in the world of social media. Never trust agents. Okay? In the world of social media, it's one thing to put, you know, to get it and then, you know, you, you, know, you research it and, like, try and find something else. But in the era of get it out there first, I said, all right, I'm putting it out there. And I was 100% wrong. And mm-hmm. after that, it's like, okay, well, I can't do that again. So I apologized and said, this was a mistake. This was wrong. I, miss- I had the wrong report. Um, and then ever since then, if I have something now, I double check and triple check and make sure. And then even, even with that, if I can't get it from the right people, I won't report it. Although I have at times said that here's what I'm hearing. That doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It doesn't mean I'm, I'm making something up. But that's how it works. That's how this yep. job works. Yep. And that's why I've been doing it for 22 years. Right? I mean, that's how it works. I, I wouldn't still be doing it if, if I was making things up. So. And, and I, I started off on this tangent tonight for a reason. Because I know where you're going. I know what I know something that you want to dive into. And I thought that this would be a nice lead in. Okay, so here's me being ripped apart by fans because they're seeing things out there, especially on Facebook. And I say that especially on Facebook because you know, we've had an issue with um what was what was it called? Flyers something.net uh when a couple years ago we talked about it on was the that like, let's go flyers or let's go flyers that's what it was let's that go was flyers. The one that, yeah i forget what happened with them but yeah where, sure. they, where they were just they were just kind of taking one or two snippets of stories but taking them completely out of context and creating brand new stories um yeah, and saying that, that like they, right. they, you know i remember they said dave isaac reported something that he didn't really report um yeah. they just took a, they took a blurb out of his story and said it was so i mean they oh were, that was it they parsed they parsed together two or three yeah. different reports right from like months apart correct yeah. correct and then they turned that into a situation where you know it's a whole new story and it was not reported at all um yep. by dave so you have places like, but they throw that stuff out there people on facebook retweet it or uh or share it and they then they it. put it they then they um tag friends in it they like it and it gets because of the algorithm, it shows up on a lot of other people's timelines. Then it gets out on Twitter and it gets shared on Twitter. And it's like, holy cow, man, this stuff isn't true. And then you have people like the people that you want to dive into tonight. And, you know, I have, I'm going to have something to say after you do your rant uh, about it. But at the same time, the beauty of a rant is that it happens organically. And here you are like, I know I'm not even I'm not even fired know- up right now. You don't, have to, be, you don't have to be fired up because I know it's coming. I know how you are. You can. You are capable of ranting without get getting very, fired up. I get very territorial. I shouldn't, but I do. I, despite the fact that I think that sometimes you're um, ridiculous and uh, that you tend to be a little bit too full of your yourself of your knowledge of basketball, which is absolute nonsense. And we won't go into that right now. Um, when I see 
when I see like a, a, a fan or somebody like questioning your credibility, I like I begin to get a little bit frustrated the same way that I'd get frustrated if somebody questioned like Kevin source on a Sixers thing or or Bob source on a Phillies thing. Like I sit back and I go, these are good people. They do good work. Like, no, they're not just going to throw crap out there and and do it for fun. But the thing that gets me really mad is when like people who I think for the most part probably have their heart in the right place, try to put their own spin on things. And what ends up happening is like they they end up kind of. I don't have a good way to put this. I get sick and tired of the fanboy stuff. I get sick and tired of fanboy blogs. I started start the show talking about this and I had an issue with a blog last year where they weren't at training camp and yet were presenting things as if they were at training camp. And it's problematic. And I said at the time it was problematic because to somebody who sees a tweet or sees a story go up and doesn't know who the person is or doesn't know what the outlet is, but they see something that is written from the perspective of somebody who appears to have been there to have seen it with their own eyes, it's disingenuous. Like you can't, I can't sit and now write a story about what it was like at Vegas tonight, watching game six of this series. I can't talk about what it was like down in the tunnel, watching the teams leave and listening to them talk about things post game because I'm not there. And if I were to go and talk about, you know, uh, a disagreement between writers and press row at this game, that would be disingenuous. I'm not there. And everybody would agree with that for the most part. But it is entirely possible that if I wrote a story like that and I had a big enough following or it got enough shares or it got enough retweets that somebody would think, oh, maybe this guy actually was in Vegas. Case in point, I had the Jalen Hurts tweet last year, right? The Gene Simmons tweet meant to be an innocuous joke lit Twitter on fire, got 25 million views. Not my happiest moment, but it was a fine moment. Black Sports Online identified me as Eagles reporter, Russ Joy. Was I an Eagles reporter? No. But the fact that it got enough clicks, it got enough retweets, it got enough of all of that, it got enough engagement, all of a sudden I was an Eagles reporter. Let me take you to the next spot. So here's how it really affects things, all right? When we get to the local level and there's somebody who like is ultra fanboyish and and starts to amass, you know, a small following, but it's enough where I start getting DMs where they're pretty much trying to discredit the things that are being reported by you or by anybody else who I respect that covers the team. We run into a problem. And that's what happened. So I get a DM where somebody says, did you see <laughs> somebody goes, did you see this shit? And I said, I don't know. What am I supposed to see? And it's so Anthony DeMarco, who you've been on his show before, he writes for the fourth period. Nolan Patrick to ask for a trade cites you cites what you said on the podcast. Everything's great. Right. Right. And then the tweet that gets sent to me is somebody quote tweeting and reacting to it where they say, well, Nolan Patrick has a new agent because he had two 30 point seasons and saw a salary decrease in his one year extension. He deserved a marginal raise. I would have fired my agent as well. Okay. 
here's the problem. All right. There are like logical fallacies, not only in that tweet, but in a bunch of follow up ones that people took exception with and they should because it's dumb. One, this person, to my knowledge, would not know the first thing about how to source anything. I don't believe this person is in any way, shape or form connected to agents, players or organizational sources. And they're doing at best fanboy speculation. Two 30 point seasons do not a superstar make. The reason that Nolan Patrick got a one year extension with a qualifying offer is because of language in the CBA that restricted what he could be paid or at least gave the Flyers the option to offer the contract they did. Now, in the further tweets that this person went into to, I guess, theoretically try to justify their position, a false parallel was drawn between what Nolan Patrick is and was and what Oscar Lindblom is and was. And for you to do that kind of pretzel folding would be, I, I don't know, it's just dumb. It's 100% stupid. It's a, it's a terrible comparison to make. Oscar Lindblom was an established NHL player. He was a guy who came back from beating cancer and was given a, what was it? A three-year extension by the organization. A, an organization that saw him leave as the team's leader in goals. And I believe second on the team in points at that point when he got the cancer diagnosis. A guy who had established himself. A guy that they were in one, you know, on one hand trying to, uh, I think, try to make financially whole and provide for him and for his family. And at the same time say, hey. If he's able to come back at the same level he was before, this is going to be an absolute steal of a contract. It works out for the player. It works out for the team. That's how this stuff works. Because he was an established NHL player, there was upside, and he had proven that he could play at this level. Nolan Patrick got a one-year deal by the grace of God because he missed an entire season, the end of another season, and had two 30-point seasons. Now, was he rushed when he came into the NHL? Sure. I, for the love of God, do not want to get back into like relitigating what Nolan Patrick is. My issue that I have is somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about, trying to discredit what you said on our show or what you report or what somebody who's down and actually has sources with the team would report. And that's where things get problematic. I can't deal with this anymore. I can't deal with this kind of bullshit happening time and time again. It can't continue to happen. I'm not going to name the person. I did the same thing last year when the other person from their site was going around tweeting as if they were there. And to this person's credit, they did a good job. They changed things up. They started to cite the people whose videos they were using or the people whose commentary they were using and, and citing. Fine. That person got it together. But this person, I think, is actually delusional. Like this person, I believe, thinks that by tweeting this stuff, they're going to become best friends with Nolan Patrick. And like, I guess the, the thing that's like even more upsetting about it is the fact that like this person could theoretically, I mean, they don't have a big following, but they have enough of a following where like misinformation is a real thing. And like at I, some Ross, point, I think you should I think you should let us let everybody know what, what, what site. I think you should. I mean, if you don't want, I'll say it. It's flyers and nitty gritty. You feel better now? Well, no, it's because it, I'm going to say something about it afterwards. I mean, but go ahead, finish, finish what you're saying. But no, I mean, you go I, ahead. You say, you say your thing. Go ahead. 
No, no, no. I, I think because I'm in, I'm in total agreement with you. I just, but I, I'm going to say something else when you're done. But I, I, I just think that it's it's worth people knowing where they're getting misinformation from. So go ahead, finish up, finish what you were saying, and then I'll uh, I'll chime in. What I will say is, of the people that I know who write there, I apparently got blocked by one. I learned this because the Flyers quote tweeted something in the past week and I couldn't see it. And I saw I was blocked. I'm like, I don't know what I did. So then I tried to check from the podcast account that was also blocked. So then I had somebody else pull the tweet and I was like, well, I don't know who this person is. And I saw they were blocked, but they write for that site. I don't know what I did that I got blocked. I didn't even mention their site before. It's fine. But the, the, the real issue here that I have is that like when, when all things are equal, right. And you're on whatever social media platform you want to be on and things can catch fire as fast as they can. Misinformation is a real thing. And like, sure, it's sports. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter compared to like political things. It doesn't matter compared to like human rights. It's freaking sports. But at the same time, if you're going to go out and like just pass off your fanboy speculation or your fanboy like hopes and aspirations that like you're going to get a picture with the person someday. Like for the love of God, don't try to discredit somebody because I, I don't know, because you you just want to be buddy buddy with somebody. It doesn't make sense. It's never made sense and it can't continue to happen. And like. It makes me physically angry. It makes me like physically disgusted and maybe it shouldn't. And I'm sure somebody's going to like take exception, be really upset and DM me about this. Like after they listen to the episode that it's like being condescending. It's not. I just need for like people that are doing things like this, people who are like putting stuff out like this and are trying to make it sound like they're connected to the situation. They just like they need to rethink it and they need to stop because at some point you're going to, you know, tarnish. If if the idea here is to build a following and is to build a site and you become known as like the fanboy crew. Like, I don't know, maybe there are going to be people who just like want to live in a delusional fantasy land where everything's fine. But like this person, I I still am like, I, I'm still reminded of the fact that like I once went on another show and prior to this past season, I said the Flyers need to replace Matt Niskin and the Flyers need to make some some massive upgrades if they're going to contend for a Stanley Cup because the conference got better and the Flyers clearly weren't the team that, you know, they looked like they were over the stretch from January through March. And this person said, well, why would you want to massively upgrade your roster? Which is such a stupid question and is such a stupid point. And it was further compounded by the person saying, well, they were the number one seed in the playoffs. And like when that is your perspective, when your perspective is so flawed and is so uh, abjectly tarnished by its detachment from reality. And then you go and you try to discredit, you actively try to discredit somebody, something from somebody who actually is connected to things. It is so problematic and disingenuous and I'm done. I can't, I can't have it. Like it, it cannot happen. It can't continue to happen. Yeah, no. And you're right, Russ. And, and here's the thing that I'm going to say. Um, and maybe this is me being a little bit of the good cop to your bad cop, but um, but I, I'm, I'm not, not even be, being a bad cop. I'm just like a sick of it cop. Uh, yeah, I'm, but I'm not going to be. I'm not even going to be that good of a cop. So I'm going to say this up front. So you know, we I've had an opportunity to you know talk to Jamie Pascal in person, and Jamie's the guy who runs that site. Um, and Jamie is a very nice guy. Very very nice, nice guy. guy. I mean, he really really heart is. is in the right place. Nice Absolutely guy. heart in the right place. Um. 
you know, he's definitely a fan first uh, and a reporter second. Um, and I, he certainly doesn't quite grasp the, uh, the, the protocol on how things should be done. But, um, you know, he is allowed, uh, the Flyers do allow his site on the, uh, on the press conference calls. Um, I assume when we get back uh, into the building, Jamie will be allowed, um, you know, to come down to the, you know, to do interviews in person. He's done it before. Uh, he's been in on our press conferences before. And again, like I said, really nice guy. And he tries. He tries to tries to be, uh, you know, a reporter to provide information to the public. That doesn't mean that they all get it right there. It doesn't mean that the site gets it right. There, there are certain things, and like you said, to sit there and, you know, look, you can have any opinion you want. Anybody can have any opinion they want. Anybody, if somebody wants to create a website that's 1,000% positive about their favorite team all the time, you know, every day, all day, every day, 24-7, that's their prerogative. And, and who am I to tell them not to do it or that they shouldn't do it? Um, that's totally cool. But then just be that. Just be that. And don't try and be anything else. It's when you start to blur the lines, when you start to sit there and, like you said, criticize reports from other people. And it's not just me, okay? It just happens to be me in this instance because the Nolan Patrick thing kind of took off a little bit after the last episode of Snow the Goalie because it was reported elsewhere um, that, of, the, of what I said. And so, therefore, it was in the fourth period. It was on, in Philly Voice. It was talked about on other podcasts. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's gotten, that story's kind of gotten around, which is fine. And, and I'm totally cool with that. But when you start to try and discredit us, and I'm talking about the co-founder, Yariv, uh, uh, of Flyers Nitty Gritty, um, to sit there and, and try and say that what we're saying is not true or what we're saying is, is bad, is only speculation and is not coming from you know, a good source, when you're never down there, when you don't have one person in the organization that you can talk to, that even knows who you are, that could even acknowledge your existence, then you have no right to say that, okay? And it's not just me. Like I said, Russ, it could be anyone. It could be anyone. So, they could, that's where I have a problem with it because now what's happening is, is what they're good at. I'll tell you what, what Flyers and Nitty Gritty is really good at. They're really good at getting their stuff seen. They're really good at getting their stuff out on Facebook and getting their stuff spread around to, um, to different uh, you know, flyer groups on Facebook. and um, They're very active on social media, on Twitter. They get people, they get people reading. Whether people read it and then want to come back again I don't know, but at least that they they throw it out there for you. They're very good at at self promotion, and give them I give them high marks for that. Okay, but until you have any ability to do the job the right way, or even somewhat close to the right way, and not just sit at home and and parrot only the good news and completely try and debunk the bad news that's coming from people who know what they're talking about, know people within the organization, and not just within the organization, but around the sport itself. 
that's when you've that's when you've crossed the line. That's when you've gone too far. And so my recommendation to Flyers Nitty Gritty, and it's not to the fans, because the fans will choose what they want to read and what they don't want to read. And I, I like to think that smart fans will recognize the right place to go and and not then the you know the places that you should not go to get your information. And I would never tell someone to not read somebody else. So fans, you read who you want. But my recommendation to Flyers Nitty Gritty is to reach out. Reach out to us. It doesn't have to be me. I mean, I would say reach out to us because obviously in this instance, you know, we're, we're talking about a report that came off of this podcast. You know, reach out to us and have a conversation. And we'll kind of get, we'll, you know, we, I have no problem taking you through it and saying, this is the right way to do this. This is the wrong way to do this. I've been around for 22 years, guys. You know, I can, I can kind of help a little bit. But if you don't want to come to me, that's fine. I get it. You feel a little awkward. You feel a little embarrassed. You feel a little, you know, that you went too far. Okay, totally cool. Go to somebody else. Reach out to Bill Meltzer. Bill's great. He'll help you through. Reach out to Charlie. Charlie will help you through. And Charlie's not even been around all that long. But Charlie will help you through, right? Reach out to Sam Carcitti. Reach out to anybody. This is a this is a good group of people who will help you to develop your site and make it better than it is. Because if you continue down the path that you're going down, you're you're not only providing bad information for your readership, for fans who may not read you on a regular basis, but who might stumble across um, uh, your site because of the way that the Facebook algorithm works and you know you're reading up flyer stories all of a sudden flyers and degree story pops up in your in your Facebook feed um, and you're also being a little disingenuous to yourselves because at, at, at some point you have to sit there and say are we are, are we respected for what we do or are we being mocked and laughed at for what we do and at some point you can, and you could turn it around. You could change, change the perception. I think about, I mean, like, I, and I'll make another comparison here. <clears throat> Look at crossing broad, for example, right? A crossing broad when it first started was Kyle being snarky, Kyle being, uh, you irreverent. know, it, well, yes, yeah, the most irreverent sports blog in Philadelphia. Um, but yes, being irreverent, not caring at all what people thought. And just figured, you know what? I I will push the envelope and keep pushing the envelope, and people, you know, some people will hate it, but more people will enjoy it, and I'll keep doing this and keep doing this and keep doing this, and eventually build himself a very successful website. But it's fair to say, in the last four years since he's added staff writers like yourself and Kevin and Bob and myself, that the site has changed. It's not quite what it was. Yeah, we still have fun with things. Yeah, there's still some good snark in there, but it's not it's being done at a different with a different tone now than it was when Kyle first started it in 2009. And it's it's almost like the site grew up a little bit, right? Well, Flyers Nitty Gritty, if it wants to succeed, if it wants to continue being a, a an entity that people should rely on, it needs to grow up a little bit. And if it can't recognize that it does, then it's not going to be around for very long. 
I thought you said you were a good cop. I, I offered good advice. Okay. I offered advice. I try, I'm trying to be helpful. That's being good cop. Okay. You can't okay. take it. You're okay. just, you're, they drive you crazy. Okay, fine. You know, you're the one who's, who wants to get berserk about it. Okay, good. I agree with you. I'm just saying, rather than just disparage them, Although they deserve dis- it, I didn't disparage. Well, Did they deserve they they deserve it in this instance because of of how they they handled this. You know, let's let's help. Let's try and fix it. Let's try and heal. It. Let's try and make it better. Because there's nothing. There, it would be so much better if. What's the thing? What's the what's the phrase? Is it a hot uh, strong tide raises all ships? Something like that. Uh, something loose lips sink ships. Is that what you're going with? No, not that. No, no, no. The one about like it raises all ships. It right, like it, everybody goes up. When things are better, when things are good, it makes everything else better. It yeah. it, it raises everybody. So, along so here's with it. so one thing that you know. There's been there have been times in the past, and you know you'll remember this, where people try to pit us against um, Brushery Hockey against their podcast and whatever. And we're like, you know what? And 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 Charlie has said it, and I've said it, and you've said it. There's different strokes for different folks, right? I mean, people have different audiences. We have a different audience than than they do, and and so it's okay. We can coexist. Um, you know, I without- can coexist with three of the four people because one has me blocked, and I still <laughs> don't know what I did. I we, still we, don't we know. We can coexist without disparaging one another. Bill Quenville is the coach, right? I just I and, know and, and, that that is true in my heart. So that's so, that, so that's what I'm trying to say. It's like, you know, it's totally cool. That that there are other that there are other options for people to check out besides just us, right? And that's great. And so rather than sit there and try and crush a smaller company like like that website, like Flyers Nitty Gritty, I you know I'm, I want to help them. I want them to I want them to be better at what they do. We should get sponsor money. Like we've talked about them more than. And to think you didn't want to say their name. Well, because it's it's like free publicity. You just gave lots of free publicity. Did I really? Uh, yeah. I, you know what, though? I, good. I'm glad I did. Because what will happen now is if, if we have listeners who didn't know that they existed, they're going to go check out that site. And then they're going to know the difference between what we do and what they do. And they'll be able to make a smart choice as to where they're going to get their hockey information. There you go. All right. So that is not where I thought this episode was going to go. I hope people stuck with us through uh, through the nitty gritty details. Um, all right. Wow. Um, let's talk about Felix Sandstrom. Do you want to go there? Yeah, we do want to talk about the Flyers. Would you like to talk about the team? Yeah. Are there any other any other sites you want to talk about? Do we have any other uh, any other accounts that you uh, would like to promote here on the show no no i think we're doing good okay so felix sandstrom it gets mentioned that he's going to be playing abroad and the next day he's signed to a two-way deal by the flyers make sense of it for the people well it's kind of hard to make sense because i i'm not even certain that i know 100 what they're doing here um but i've asked around and i've tried to i've tried to kind of piece it together and so here was the thought process. So Sandstrom, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if, if he tried to play the Flyers. His agent tried to play the Flyers a little bit. The Flyers tried to play him a little bit. 
But the thought process, I think, from Sandstrom was is that he did not want to be the guy put on uh, the expansion list because Flyers have to put a goalie on uh, up for availability for the expansion draft. And if they didn't put Sandstrom, they would have to put they would have to sign, either sign somebody to put on there or they have to expose Carter Hart, which they're not going to do because um, they can't expose Elliott because Elliott's a free agent. So I don't think Sandstrom wanted to be that guy. Um, and I think that the Flyers probably guaranteed him a contract to stay in North America and maybe convinced him that he's not going to be taken if he, if he agreed to do this. Now, the interesting thing is to me is where he fits in the depth chart. We already know Carter Hart's number one. They're going to bring in a number two. Okay. So who's number three? Well, it was Sandstrom technically this year. Yes. Alex Lyon was part of the team and spent most of the year on the taxi squad and played, actually played at the NHL level, which Sandstrom didn't do. But if you really wanted to think about who's third on the depth chart, it would be the guy who was playing most with the Phantoms, right? Because that's who, that's the guy that you're trying to get ready to play in the NHL. Alex Lyon just happened to be a guy that because of COVID, he was, you know, able to stay with the roster um, as part of that taxi squad, barely played all season. What did he, what did he play? I think he played a couple games for the Phantoms, right? Yeah. He was mostly on a taxi squad and played, then played a handful of games for the Flyers. So really, I mean, you want to say, you could technically say Lyon was three. Okay, fine. But then Sandstrom is next. Um, and then, so then the question is though, coming into the season, there, it was quite evident to me after talking to some people in the organization and then I think to a few others, that Kirill Ustamenko, uh, sixth-round pick by the Flyers, had actually surpassed Sandstrom on the depth chart coming into the season. But then Ustamenko got hurt playing overseas um, and ended up missing the entire season. So Sandstrom kind of got you know more of that playing time. And then the Flyers went and signed Samuel Urson to a contract that begins next season. And you have Ustamenko coming off the injury – so now you have three AHL caliber goalies, right? None of which are ready to be NHL backups. So none of them are going to be backing up Carter Hart. You're not going to carry three goalies on the Phantoms. You're only going to carry two. So the question now becomes, do you put one of them in the ECHL with Redding? Um, or was signing Sandstrom a way to move on from one of them as part of one of the myriad trades that Chuck's going to try and pull off this summer and try and give somebody, you know, because the Flyers have some goalie depth, right? So, I mean, maybe you can move one of these guys. You know, I don't think any one of them has great value by themselves, but maybe as part of a, a package of, of prospects and players of some kind, maybe can get you something. So I think that that was all kind of, how it tied together. Um, I was just, I was just a little surprised that Chuck took the path that he took telling us that he was, he needs to play. And so he was, they were going to play him in Finland and he was still going to, you know, the flyers still were, you know, held onto his rights and blah, 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 blah. And then a day later, bring him back. Why not just tell us that you're working on that? Right. I mean, or, you know, or say, stay tuned. There's going to be something more there, you know, just let us know 
because it really kind of looked stupid to say, okay, yeah, the Flyers are letting a prospect go to Europe and then 24 hours later saying, eh, no, not going to Europe, coming back, signing to a one-year deal. So this exact thing happened uh, with the Sixers a few years ago. Uh, Nemanja Bialica was signed by the Sixers. Then he reneged on the deal, said he was going to go play in Europe, and then ended up signing with the Sacramento Kings. So there's there's sports precedent for this, but it's weird. It's a bad look. And so it makes you wonder if this was like the ultimate. um, I I don't know, like how much of this is an organization and an agent just seeing who's going to blink first. And like, maybe that's what this was. And the player really didn't want to go abroad. Uh, His agent might've just overplayed his hand. The organization called him on it. And now he's back. It, It could just as easily be that. Uh, the one thing that, that you mentioned that like is is a definite concern is the fact that like even if one of these these AHL caliber goalies could be a backup, you wouldn't want them to be the backup. Like it it, it would not behoove the Flyers to have Carter Hart as the starter and then have another young netminder behind him. That's yeah. not the point here. And like right. we we talked about that a few episodes ago that like there's a good chance that they end up bringing in somebody who can play. 30 games or who Elaine Vigneault as a veteran head coach could decide to ride for, you know, four games in a row if Carter Hart's struggling. Like that's the kind of guy that you should expect to see as the backup, not Ustamenko, not Sandstrom. It doesn't make sense because if Carter Hart comes back and has the home road split issues that he had two seasons ago, or if he has some of the inconsistency issues that he had this past season, uh, the last thing you need is to put another young goalie in because that might not stop the bleeding what that could end up doing is leading to a situation where you have a a young kid who puts even more pressure on himself to try to stop the bleeding and then ends up overthinking it and pretty soon you know what started as a three-game losing streak becomes you know seven eight and then you've got two young goalies who have their you know their confidence collapsed so the flyers have a lot of depth theoretically at the position it could be nice to see one of those guys develop into the backup goalie for say two years down the line, but it certainly should not be the organization's goal to have one of those guys develop quote unquote into that backup for the upcoming season. It, it would be doing organizational malpractice to, to rely that heavily on two young netminders. Yeah, no, you're right. You're 100% it's, right. it's what you do if you're a developing team, not if, not for a team that that theoretically says they're contending for a Stanley Cup. It would have been interesting, maybe if if, if Ustamenko doesn't doesn't get hurt, and he and he and um, uh, and Sandstrom are splitting time with the Phantoms. Maybe one of them plays well enough. I'm, I'm talking about this past season um, that you sit there and say, ah, oh, maybe we can do that. Maybe we can. You know, they played well enough at the AHL level that they can go up to the NHL and, and be the backup to start the season. Um, but that did not happen. You didn't get an opportunity. You only you only got a chance to see one of them play at the AHL level. And Sandstrom struggled early, but was better down the stretch. And so, you know, there was some positivity there, but he's still he's still not ready for the NHL. Ustamenko's not, never played an AHL game, so he's obviously not ready. And Urson just signed. So, it, you know, it's like sitting there saying, yeah, well, we have three goalie prospects, but they're all still a ways away. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's the thing. And and so um, I mean, I guess it's potentially possible. I mean, you go back to 1920 and Ustamenko was playing in, in the ECHL um, and he was playing great for Reading when he was down there. 
and 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 you know so it's it is possible that you could play one of the three of them in the E, but I, I don't necessarily think that that's the Flyers' goal because if it was, they never would have let Sandstrom say he was playing in Europe to begin with. So I I think there's something a little bit more to this. I think that again, and this is this is speculation, but this is this is me saying this kind of with an informed opinion that I think that there's probably a little bit more to this and that they don't necessarily want to have all three have themselves in a situation where they have all three goalies um, you know competing to play for the Phantoms because it's just it's just one too many goalies. Uh, interestingly enough, um, they didn't re-sign Roddy Ross, who was another late round pick um, that they had to get him signed by June 1st. He's another goalie that was in their depth chart. He was in camp, if you remember, when we were down there at the beginning of the year. Um, he was the uh, the fifth goalie in camp, I think. Um, but they did not offer him a qualifying offer, so he became a free agent. Um, so, like, it, it, to players like that, I mean, you could always sign as a minor league free agent to kind of come in and, and play if if you trade off one of these goalies and then somebody gets hurt. Um, you know, an Alex Lyon type for that matter. Um, but I don't I don't see I don't see the Flyers having all three going into camp, but I could be wrong. Well, and you, you mentioned the Phantoms, and I think arguably the biggest headline of the week is that the, the Phantoms replaced their head coach. We knew that Scott Gordon, a former friend of the show, that episode is available in the archive. Um, the Phantoms and Scott Gordon had decided to part ways, and speculation began that Ian LaPerrier would be named the coach. Well, a couple of days later, he ends up getting named the coach. Um, he, he went out of his way to mention the fact that anybody who's going to play with him had better be in shape. I don't know how much of that's posturing and how much of that really is, uh, that they're going to be the best conditioned team in the A, but were you surprised by the news that Ian LaPerriere was named the head coach of an AHL team after not having served as a head coach at the professional level? And do you think it was the right call? Um, I'm not surprised. I mean, he's certainly put his time in. I mean, that's one of the things, you know, that, that guys do. I mean, they, they put in a good amount of time. They don't, you don't just become a coach right after being a player, right? You got to kind of maybe be an assistant coach right after being a player, but you, you really got to kind of work your way in and into the spot and learn, learn how to become an, uh, a, a head coach. Interestingly enough, um, what usually you do is when you name someone your AHL coach, that that person is likely, likely, uh, if you're not keeping one of the assistants on your NHL staff, if you replace your head coach at the NHL level, that's the person who usually gets the call to come in, even if it's on an interim basis like Scott Gordon did a couple years ago um, or more on a more permanent basis, uh, like, for example, like Sheldon Keefe did with Toronto. Um, he was their head coach with the Marlies and then, you know, got bumped up to be the head coach with the, with the Maple Leafs. Um, so uh, that to me is where it's interesting because are the Flyers trying to groom Lappy as the next head coach or a potential next head coach after Elaine Vigneault? Or is this just a reward for loyalty for so many years? Um, you know, I tried to ask the question, and, and Chuck kind of poop, kind of poo-pooed it. I mean, not really. I mean, he, he did say it, it was 
a small part of it, but maybe not as big a part as you would think. But I asked and I said, is it, was it more about getting someone in that position who could implement, who knows AV system and could implement it so that you have players learning what they're doing at the NHL level down in the AHL. So if you have to use three, four, five, six guys over the course of a season as call-ups, that they could step in a little bit more seamlessly. And he said, he said, you know, yeah, that there is an element of that, but he didn't want it to make it seem like that was the primary reason. Because look, there's no doubt LaPerriere and Vigneault got along really well. Um, they're pretty close. And I think that you're going to see- stuck with LaPerriere in a, in a time where yeah. the, the track record on special teams might not have, um, been something that a lot of coaches might have looked at and, and wanted to keep around and yet Vino stuck with him so yeah there, there's a yeah. loyalty there not, and not only that I mean so the first year if you recall Lappy was up in the uh, press box with us yep he was the eye in the sky in um, 1920 uh, and then ended up back on the bench this year uh, now I don't know if that was purely because of COVID or if there was actually a um, you know AV kind of felt that it was good to have him down on the bench um, during the game, but you could tell that there was more, there was a little bit more of a learning process going on with him and he was kind of picking up pieces here and there. And so I, I kind of like it. I kind of like the idea. I mean, I know Lappy really well um, from when he was a player here that one year to being an assistant coach, being the player development guy to being an assistant coach. So I, I've gotten to know Lappy over the years. And I, I, I'm, you know, I'm excited for him. I think it's going to be a good opportunity. And he's smart. He's not going to. He knows what he doesn't know, and that's why he said, you know, he's going to try and find two assistants, which is rare. Usually in the AHL, you only have one, but try and find two assistants that have that AHL experience, but that are still on the younger side so that they could kind of relate to the players mm -hmm. um, to kind of maybe help him along the way too. So that's, it's really kind of an interesting thing. I'm going to be curious to see in what direction they go with hiring those assistant coaches. But yeah, I mean, the only thing that, the only thing that I sit there and, and push, push the pause button with is like, man, are we, are we that, you know, one bad start to a season of three months, you know, flyers have a horrific, October, November, December, are we looking at January where they're calling up Ian LaPerriere as an interim head coach? That would be wild to me. And that's the I can't one. Imagine. Well, who, who do you do? What do you do? I mean, unless you're keeping one of the uh, assistants. I, I don't know. And maybe hand it off to one of the uh, two former head coaches that have been so highly. I, you're right. It makes that certainly makes sense. But I'll tell you that if things go so poorly that you're firing Vino, I can't see you keeping the assistants, too. You're not wrong. <laughs> what a bold move that would be. I'm just saying. Absolutely bold move. All right. Well, let's let's hope that that doesn't happen. Okay. Let's let's hope that the team comes out very strong in the beginning of the year and continues it going. See, I can be positive. This is this is the positive podcast today. Yeah. Except for when you talk, then it was, you know, trying to bury bury people in their sights. Um. 
Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about this week before we head out? Oh, the Flyers are picking at number 13. I know that we haven't talked about that. First time in franchise history, they're going to be picking at unlucky number 13. Number 13 has worked out so well for them as of late. <laughs> You're funny. You're a funny guy. Um, I'll be curious to see. I if hope they I hold- didn't cross the line. <laughs> I'll be curious to see if they um, hold on to that pick. You know, it would make sense in a trade. I mean, it's it's a valuable asset. It's the, the I feel like the draft in every sport is going to be kind of a crapshoot this year as well. I mean, things are a little bit more normal. Um, but if, if you're looking to try to dramatically improve the outcome of your team, having a pick in the top 15 certainly is is a valuable asset. Um, it could also the, the real question, I think, becomes, is that something that becomes a sweetener in a move on from from salary and a flat cap? I mean, you don't want to use that as a um, as just mere incentive to take, you know, a bad contract off the books. But it wouldn't be totally inconceivable to see it as part of a, of a larger series of moves. No, I think I think if you're going to move that pick, it's got to be for your top pair defenseman. You're not you're not using it as a sweetener for expansion draft. It's too much. Wait, are you saying that they're going to trade the number 13 pick for Seth Jones? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Uh, I could see that. You know, did you know that Seth Jones is somehow both a top 10 defenseman in the league and also the Antichrist who a lot of people apparently hate the spies (laughs) and think would be Andrew McDonald 2.0? Because that's what I saw on Twitter this week. I don't know where they get that from. Um, I will tell you, you Anthony, there's there's a whole bunch of numbers that um, only a few people can actually explain and dissect, but it looks pretty in a in a graphic. And so, yeah, uh, I'll tell you kind of go nuts. If the flyers stay at 13 or even if not, maybe they move down, maybe they swap picks. I don't know. There's a player that they like um, uh, a winger that they like a lot um, who a lot of the top scouting um, departments have kind of in the mid twenties um, uh, as a rank, as a ranking overall. Um, which what which is why if the Flyers stayed at thirteen they might be eh, jumping a little bit to to get him, um, but they, he's definitely considered a, a late first round kind of kind of guy. But I think the Flyers like him because of his his comparable, uh, and the, the kid's name is uh, Zachary Lahuru, um, and he compares the way he plays at least at the junior level, he compares a lot to Brad Marchand. Isn't that the exact player that Jeremy Roenick said on our show not that long ago is the kind of guy that this team needs yeah. desperately? Yeah. Now, I mean, look, mm. if you're if you're drafting a guy, you're drafting a kid that's 18 years old um, and that's his comp and that's all well and good. He's not making it to the NHL for four years. So you're not sitting there saying, well, we got the next Brad Marchand, but you got to wait four years for him. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. You still might need that kind of player, that kind of, you know, um, agitator, that kind of gritty forward prior to the kid coming up and playing. If in fact that's who you you end up drafting, um, but uh, yeah, from from who I talked to, that's a, that's a player that they really like out of the Quebec Junior League. Played with uh, uh, Halifax Mooseheads there. Um, what a great so, team name. Yeah, 
So they just. I would just... like to point out to the people that I believe it's two or three straight years that, um, as the draft has approached, you've put out the name of a player, and that's ended up being the draft pick. So. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, do te- saying, I do tend to get them right. This this gonna go. <laughs> I mean, for somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're talking about, and is hashtag Aunt Sanfoni, I have to say that um, you get one thing right a year. Really proud of you. Yeah. And again, like I said, I, you know, I don't know if, if that's a kid that you drafted 13. Maybe that's somebody who maybe he falls into the top of the second round. Maybe you you make a trade and you get a high second round pick or in, in return or flip flop picks or something, some kind of craziness. And that's where you, you get him. But I, I know that that's a guy that they really like out of the Quebec League. And a reason, another reason that they like him out of the Quebec League is Quebec played most of their season this year. The OHL didn't play at all. Ontario didn't play at all. So you couldn't scout any of those kids in the OHL unless they um, played in the, you know, unless they were playing somewhere somewhere else. Um, but the OHL kids really didn't play, so you couldn't scout them, uh, except I guess like the World Junior kids, you could scout it, but that's about it. Uh, Western Hockey League played, but not, not a huge part of the season. The Quebec League, though, played most of their year. So I think you're going to see some kids from the Quebec league kind of, you know, Quebec league and, and the call and the NCAA are going to be the, the, the two leagues that get the most attention or see guys moving up the draft board from those leagues a little bit more because they played this past season. I mean, the only thing that I have a problem with in this whole thing about what you said is um, your pronunciation. LaRue province. No, no, no. Quebec. Yeah, what did you say that time? Quebec. Quebec. Oh, st- stop it. Quebec. You, you're not even S'il doing this anymore. You and this, this language Quebecois. thing. Quebecois. Are you announcing Quebecois. that yet or what? What? Am I announcing what? I think, listen, if the fact that I finally said a word on the show hasn't given it away, I have left. I have left education. What a moment. What a moment in the history of our great sport. Russell Joy is no longer a teacher. No longer Mr. Joy. Eight and a half. Eight and a half years yeah. as an educator. I've moved on. And where, where on. have you moved on to, Russ? You know, that's a really great question, Anthony. I'll announce that in due time. I mean, it's come on. It's, it's like the worst kept secret. Is it, though? Well, Is I mean, it? where 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 else do you think I haven't? Going? Listen, I haven't made an announcement yet, Anthony. I will make that announcement in due time. But I have left education. I had a really great time as a teacher, and I can now say that I've checked off a bunch of boxes. So we shall see. Okay, I'll make that announcement. I'll put it. I'll put it on the Twitter. I'll put okay. it there. But it's right. good stuff, and I think I think it's going to. Uh, I, I think I'm going to feel much more liberated to air out my thoughts and my feelings on things Good. on this show Good and on you. the site. Yeah. Did you know that teachers mm. and students don't have freedom of speech? Did you know that? Because that's a real I thing. I didn't know that. Which is, which is why for four years of working for the site and for, what, three years of doing the podcast, I've had to toe the line. I've had to be really good. Politicians can go on Twitter or on Facebook, they can use profanity. They can say somewhat to wildly inappropriate things, depending on you know what your uh, your line of delineation is, and they face no consequences. But yet, 
teachers and students, you have to be careful what you say and what you do because you're held to a ridiculously high standard. Thankfully, I no longer have to, to adhere to that specific standard. Hashtag no standards. That's what we're here for here at Snow the Goalie. Anthony, um, what a wild episode. Not our traditional kind of episode. Um, hey, we did get I one hope- five-star review. Did we? Oh, thank goodness for that. Just one. Just one. And is it a Lee or is it a regular? Is it another person? Jackson Turner. Get out of town. Jackson Turner. Get out of town. You going to read this one? I'll read it because it's not very long. Jackson Turner says the podcast is titled Awesome. Five stars. Hmm. The only good Flyers podcast out there. You could take the words good and Flyers out, right? There you go. The only Flyers podcast. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That's good. So I like that. Thanks, Jackson. I like that. Yeah. Listen, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Next week, we'll be back to regular Flyers talk. Unless another blog upsets Anthony so much or discredits him or tries to discredit him, in which case we'll label the episode as something specifically different. But listen, we are in the midst of watching teams. I I just want to point out, and I don't think that this is also being hypercritical. If you watch the level of play that Vegas and Colorado just put out in a six game series that I think a lot of people wanted to see, obviously go seven. And I I would have much preferred a scenario where you could have seen Colorado take on Tampa in the final. Um, If you watch these series as they're unfolding and you think back to the flyer season, if you think that, um, the flyers are close to that level. Then Anthony has name dropped a, sh- a, a, a site that you might want to go read more of, but if you're realistic and if you're honest with yourself and you want to go where the actual news is, then make sure you follow over on crossingbroad.com. as I'm sure here, things are going to continue to ramp up and we're going to get ourselves a little bit further along in this uh, Stanley cup run be interesting to see how it plays out and there there are some things brewing there are some things brewing with the flyers in and around the organization on and off the ice that we're going to be getting into and i know that there's a a few things that anthony's working on right now by the way did you know he wants to know it's been it's been 31 days since we heard from dave scott anthony it's okay we don't need to hear from dave scott it's going to be fine okay it's not going to fundamentally alter the offseason anthony just saying Throw I don't that know out why. Are you complaining? Don't complain. Are you being have, negative? Don't don't have, be negative. I have questions for the man. That's all. Don't be negative. Well, you know what? I would recommend that perhaps you um, reach out to um, to Dave Scott or to uh, PR or somebody. Reach out and see if he's going to be available. Perhaps he'll be made available to the media, to you, to to somebody. I may have tried this already. You may have to try again. Always welcome, Dave Scott. Always welcome on the Snow and the Goalie podcast where we are fair and balanced. We report, you decide. Nobody's ever used those taglines before. (laughs) Thanks for tuning into the show. We're available over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Play, uh, Google Podcasts, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Snow and the Goalie. By the way, we did a special episode of... um, the Dynasty by Decade series with the Hockey Podcast Network. They called us in out of the bullpen. We were happy to help them out. 
we did an episode about the 70s Flyers because that's the only decade the Flyers have ever won a Stanley Cup. And uh, Anthony got to reminisce about what it was like to be 40 when they won the Stanley Cup. So it was a great, it was a great episode. Uh, highly encourage you to go uh, check that out. We retweeted it from the uh, Snow the Goalie account over on Twitter. Of course, you can find our show on Twitter and Instagram at Snow the Goalie. You can find Anthony on Twitter and Instagram at Ant San Philly. I'm there as well at Joy on Broad. All of those links can be found in the description of the episode. And of course, Facebook.com slash Snow the Goalie. And hey, just an idea, throwing it out there because Anthony likes to talk about people disseminating their information and their stories and everything else. You know, if you're on some of these Facebook groups and you see this podcast drop, by all means, feel free to share it. Feel free to drop it in a Facebook group. Feel free to spread it around to all of your favorite family and friends who happen to be fans of the Flyers. And um, we're looking forward to doing some big stuff here in in the following uh, weeks. I know we have a couple of things that we're working on, big announcements, so we'll keep you posted. But in the meantime, follow us over on Twitter and Facebook, and we will uh, be back next week with a brand new episode. And again, some hockey talk, unless somebody pisses off Anthony, in which case... All bets are off. Until next week, thanks for listening.